Hello and welcome to Touchline from Casper Els and Mark Cameron. Hello, Mark. Hi, Cas. Tonight we're talking Curry Cup, some Springbok Rugby Sevens, and the upcoming or the World Cup 2023. Let's start with a with the Curry Cup. The games played this weekend: Vodacom Bulls 48, Western Province 31, and then the Sharks. Grikos, Sharks 28, Grikos 24. Mark? Well, firstly, obviously, with the Bulls and, and Province playing at Loftus, um, the Bulls just showing the class that, that that they have within the squads. Obviously, a well-coached squad. Um, what is good about them is, is most of the senior players that uh, Jake White brought back from abroad, um, and they're really starting to hit their straps. And, you know, one could see their class in the first half specifically of that game. Um, I mean, Western Province were out of it basically within the first 15 to 20 minutes in the game, you know, and then they had to play catch-up rugby. Now, I don't... Obviously, the game had been won already, but Province came back nicely in the second half. And, um, you know, going into the final, who knows how Sean Everett is, is planning to to work and try and nullify certain things that the, bull, that the Bulls do. But um, well deserved. They've been they've been our top top side for the last two seasons, and they deserve to be in the final. Um, I just think on the day on Friday night was probably their best rugby that they played, and I don't, with all due respect to the Sharks and the Lions and the Stormers and everyone else, I don't think any other Curry Cup side would have beaten them. Just something on that. Um, you say taking the game away. Bulls scored thirty-eight points in the first half versus the twelve of Western Province. But the Bulls only succeeded in scoring another 10 points in the second half, where the, Bull, where the Stormers went from 12 to 31. So the Stormers really came back in the second half. Yeah, no, look, that's what I said. In the second half was, was obviously different in the sense that Province had more ball. And, but, I mean, the way, the way the Bulls played, and I say this is with respect to the Bulls, it's not the real traditional rugby. Um, you know, the Bulls are normally set up front and 10-man rugby and so forth, but they've changed over the years. Um, but, I mean, at one stage they were playing like sevens type of style. You know, yes. they're passing the ball and they had runners coming from all the angles and whatever, and the, the, the Stormers were just outplayed. Um, the Stormers have a young side, and you can see the difference with the experience and all of that, and probably overawed about what's happening. Um, but I think, uh, rightfully so, I think I think they, they really deserved um, to win. I just felt sorry ultimately, and, and obviously it's because of the next game that we're going to refer to, but I feel sorry for a team like the Pumas that yeah. were right in it as well. And then the last hurdle obviously fell out because the Sharks um, beat Griquas, you know, yes. so that's how it is, unfortunately. And then the sharks Griquas game, a game that was a little bit more equally matched. Yeah, I think, you know, from a spectator's point of view, I think it was probably a disappointing semi-final. Um, more so because the Bulls played so well against Province the night before and, and that semi-final rugby. But if you think about it, the result and the scoreline um, of the Bulls and, and the Stormers isn't really semi-final or knockout stages no, rugby. You know? Definitely not. And it speaks volumes yet again to the old Curry Cup where, where um, the team's defensive systems were actually quite lacking, I think, because I mean all the games basically were high-scoring games. Yes. And going into a final... And to semi-finals, normally there's a lot of 
technical issues and when there's a penalty, you'd sooner go for poles and try and get the scoreboard ticking and that. But as I said, with Province, they started, I mean, with the Bulls against Province, they started well. The Sharks, you know, they weren't as fortunate. Look, I think from a preparation point of view, um, obviously the Bulls, they are the form side and the Sharks have to go there and, and, and win, which is going to be difficult. We've tried it four or five times now already. Um, and we've lost every single game. The Bulls haven't lost lost at Loftus for the last 21 games. So it's really going to be difficult for the Sharks going there to, to try and make it happen. But I think if you if you were on the coaching side and you look at the Griqua's Sharks game, Sean Everett would probably have wanted to win like this compared to the Bulls because the Bulls were so easy, if it makes sense what I'm saying. Yes. The Sharks had to fight for where they wanted to go. So a lot of yeah. defensive efforts, attacking and, and so forth. So I think from, from that perspective, the, the Sharks will probably be better prepared, if I can put it that way, to yes. go into the final. Um, no, they had to dig deeper. 100%. And the, the shocking stat, if I can call it that, is the fact that the previous week, Province actually cut the Sharks to pieces. Yes. Um, and then a week later, the Bulls did that to West Province. doesn't mean that the Sharks don't stand a chance. It's just on the day, whoever pitches, you know. So, um, but to come back to the Griqua's Sharks game as well, you know, Griqua's kept us busy right until the end. They did. Um, it could have gone either way. <laughs> um, but fortunately for us, it's the second time, which is also the first time in our history, but the second time this year that there will be a Curry Cup final. And it's the same two teams that played, I think it was in February, if I'm not mistaken, um, in the previous uh, Curry Cup. So uh, also playing at Loftus. Yes. So let's hope this time around the Sharks can, can do it. Can bring it home. It's going to be a tough, tough encounter. Though, let's, right? let's have a look. Now, this, this weekend's game, the final uh, Sharks-Bulls or Bulls-Sharks at Loftus. Um, the official's been announced with... Um, Marius van der Veste is in the middle, um, assisted by uh, AJ uh, Jacobs in, and, and Amy Barrett-Theron. Yeah, look, I think, like with everything else, obviously we're not, we're not the referees or we don't know how the appointments work and that, but I think like everything else, it works on merit. Um, you know, Amy Barrett-Theron, she's one of the up-and-coming referees and, and she's been officiating in quite a few Curry Cup games um, whether it's on the touchline or actually in charge. A.D. Jacobs he isn't a bad referee himself and obviously uh, Marius van der Westhuizen but I mean you have your critics all over some will, won't agree, some will agree yeah. ultimately they don't appoint themselves it happens through Saru um, and good luck to them like like the provinces um, it's, a, it's an honour for them to participate yes. in the finals as well and you know hopefully hopefully um all of them will have a good game because it's going to be a tough encounter and you know one was also we're going to allude on to, to that just now but you know from a from a going into the united nations championships um it's also going to be difficult because these teams basically finish on saturday and then they need to prepare i think next weekend they they leave to go to europe you know so yes. coaches Yes, you're going to the final because you want to win the Curry Cup and, and so forth, but you're at the back of your head as well. You're worried about leaving now and injuries and that, you know. So hopefully, regardless who wins, both teams will have 
fresh players when they when they embark on their when other tournament, you know. So and good luck to to both Jake White and Sean, um, Sean Everett. Everett, and and hopefully they can bring the cup home to to Durban. Yeah, let's hope Jake doesn't keep it there. He loves to do that. Um, then talking about the teams preparing for Europe, um, the Sharks striking a deal with the Cheetahs in securing some players to come and help with the efforts in, in Europe. Ruan Pinar and Tian Mayer that will join the, the Sharks, the two scrum offs. Um, your thoughts on that? Well, firstly, I think it's a brilliant initiative between the Sharks and the Cheetahs. Um, they, in a nutshell, what has happened, obviously they're loaning players, certain players, not all yes. their players, obviously certain players to, to both unions, um, depending on which tournaments they play in and when they're playing. So, like the Cheetahs aren't playing now, so some of their players will be available to play for the Sharks. In these two specific players, um, I think the Sharks have done well to secure their services. I mean, Ruan Pinar, ex-Springbok, he's played all over the world. Um, he played in Europe for many, many years. So just the wealth of knowledge that he has coming into the Sharks, because we, yes. like most of our teams, um, barring the Bulls maybe, um, we've got a very young side. Very young so side. he'll yes. bring all that positive energy and tell them what to do. Then with a guy like Tian Mayer, um, he himself, I mean, because the Cheetahs played in the Pro 14, they would have played overseas, you know, so where our guys wouldn't have done that. So all their, all their knowledge and that that they'd be able to share with the Sharks would be would be awesome for them to, to learn from and so forth. And they're both quality players. A guy like Ruan Pinar played for the Sharks many years. Yes. A guy like Tian, did I say Ruan Mayer? Ruan Pinar. Um, Tian Mayer, he's, he's from Durban himself. He schooled here and then he played club rugby here and obviously went to went to the Cheetahs. So it would be nice for him to come back as well and we wish both of them well and then obviously the Sharks and, and all our provinces to do well. Definitely. Then just bull Sharks get through this weekend's game and hopefully Sharks bring the, the cup home and then it's off to Europe for all of them. Look, it's going to be a tough, it's going to be yeah, a going tough to be final for the Sharks, you know, and as I said, the Bulls haven't lost in 21 games. Yes. Um, but yet again, um, you know, they showed when they went overseas to play against Bennett and that they are beatable. Yes. The Sharks did beat them in, in Durban. Um, and I think all the pressure would be on the Bulls, obviously, because they're overwhelmed fam favourites and we are obviously the underdogs. we got nothing to lose, but it's a final and both teams would like to win and I think whoever handles the pressure more will... Don't say we've got nothing to lose, huh? We've got a curry cup to lose. Yeah, no, it's a fact. And and but the Bulls are the holders. Uh, they are know, the so. holders, and they <laughs> want to keep it in Gloria. So let's let's hope, and and let's just hope it's a spectacle. And um, you know, may the best team on the day win. And I say that because the best team in South Africa currently, without a doubt, is the Bulls. Um, but they need to fight on the day to to take it. Then moving on to some sevens news. Um, I see that uh, the Cape Town Sevens tournament has been cancelled, as well as a couple of other tournaments all over the world, and it looks like the whole Sevens series is going to be in jeopardy soon. Um, your thoughts on that, Mark? No, shame. I think it's a, it's a real pity for that. I mean, Sevens is a specialist game. Um, worldwide, we've had numerous very, very talented players come through the ranks in Sevens and then 
sometimes go on and play for their country at 15s and so forth. And I think from a from a spectator's point of view and a festive festive game type of point of view, it, it's sad. It's a second year running yes. if that happens. And obviously it's due to COVID and the, the next train that is now available, availed itself all over the world. Um, but one needs to look. It's the same as club rugby and all that rugby that has stopped now yet again because of COVID. You know, player safety comes first and spectator safety comes first. And it's just a pity that a tournament like Sevens is held in so many different countries, unlike yes. the World Cup, for argument's sake, you know, where you could maybe go, like the the uh, championship is now held in Australia. You know, it's a pity you can't take this just to that one country and get it over and done with. But it is what it is, and I mean, I mean, hopefully there's, there's, they'll be all right. There's also talks that... Canada will go ahead, um, but then the Dubai league will be played behind closed doors. It will mm. be shut for everybody. Yeah. It, it, it's sad. That's a, sp- a spectacle that people want to go and, 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 and watch, and it's behind closed doors. I think part of the problem, though, is, is like with the rugby championship now, where we go to Australia and you need to go into quarantine for two weeks. Yes. You know, so with the sevens, you fly from one country to the next, consecutive weekends maybe or so forth. Now, every time you fly to a country to quarantine for two weeks, it's just not going to do it. No, it's not. And <clears throat> I don't know what the normal numbers are that you take. Let's call 15 for the sevens. Now you'll need to take 25 or whatever because someone might pick up COVID. Yeah. Same as, sorry, and I just, we forgot about this um, with regards to the finals, go back to the Bulls. Um, they've lost their, they, they fly off for, for this uh, weekend. Huisen, he's out with COVID, so hopefully he gets well soon to go to, to Europe. Um, so they've got a new fly-off in there. And so talking about the sevens, so if you if you take 15 players and sevens, for argument's sake, and three of them get COVID, then your team can probably not play. You know, so it makes it very difficult. And unfortunately, we are where we are, but we need to adapt soon, I think, because it's probably here to stay for a while. How do you how do you deal with something like that now? If you have to to isolate for two weeks, you go in quarantine for two weeks, but you play every week. Do you then select three or four teams and send one team to Canada and one to uh, to Dubai and another team somewhere else to go and isolate and stay in quarantine, and then they can play mm-hmm. there and then maybe move on to the next the next venue, which is like two or three weeks. Part of the problem there is, um, un- other than your players, coaching staff, and that also gets affected. So uh, if you send players, let's say you and I, so we have to be three coaches in three yes. different teams to go and play in three different places in the world over the next six weeks. Yes. Um, or next four weeks because you're quarantining early. So it makes it so difficult. And the problem is if, if one of your players picks up COVID, you've been in contact with certain so. Four guys might need to be in quarantine longer, you know, or isolation or something. So it makes it so difficult. And I can tell you it's a logistical nightmare. Um, so, and I mean, you can only take your hat off to South Africa when we hosted the British and Irish Lions for, for making that a success. Now with the rugby championships in Australia, lots of obviously logistical issues and so forth. And, and hopefully it will work because once that happens, it just shows that wherever you are in the world, you can actually host things, things, and sport can continue. Yes. Then talking about going down to to Oz, the upcoming games this weekend: South Africa on Sunday, South Africa against the Wallabies. First time since 2019 that South Africa will play the Wallabies. 
Um, I see there's a couple couple of injured players that's returning now to to the game. One being Dwayne Vermeulen, Paf de Klerk, Herschel Yankees coming back, uh, Marco van Staden. All of these guys are ready and fit to play. And Jacques Ninova hasn't waited to to select them. Yeah, I think they they obviously know what's at stake. Um, you know, in New Zealand are world number two at the moment and obviously um, the money is on South Africa because we're world number one and the world champion. So everyone is out to, to bring us down a bit. Um, and Shark knows that. So, you know, if you if you look at what New Zealand have done to Australia in the last three encounters that they played, um, they won comfortably. Having said that, though, um, you know, I don't think Australia are as bad as... as the scoreboard reflects because if you look at the last game against New Zealand on the weekend, yes. they actually had more possession, more territory. It's just that last minute decision making or last pass or something like that that just went it off. for New Zealand to counter. And we know how they can counter. Um, so South Africa, you know, if you look at the logs now, because New Zealand have now gone past us, they won 10 points first on the log and we on nine. So they got two bonus points against the Wallabies in the last two encounters. Um, so we know we, you know, we can maybe drop a bonus point, but we can't drop a game. We have yes. to beat the Wallabies in the next two weeks, both games, to yep. stand a chance of retaining the the rugby championship. You know, so um, it's going to make it very difficult. And I think, like South Africa, every time since since we started playing again uh, against Georgia and so on and so forth we've improved every single game and the wallabies won't be any different um, so i think i think it's going to be a tough encounter for for us and and i think um, look our focus is there and and part of part of our problem is now we haven't played in the last 3 weeks or 4 weeks gone to australia we are in isolation we only come out of isolation on thursday yes and then obviously playing on Saturday, I mean on Sunday. So it hasn't been normal preparation for us on that. It's not an excuse at all. That's what happens in world rugby at the moment. Um, but it's not going to be as easy as that. And, and, you know, all I'm hoping for is just a proper win and hopefully a bonus point. The team selection for, for Sunday's game, I see that Jacques has gone for the, for the big guns, if you can call them the big guns. Uh, Steven Kutsov, Bongi Umbenambi, Frans Malerwe, Eben Etzebet, Luit de Jager, Sia Kulisi, Franco Mostert, Dwayne Vermeulen, Paf de Klerk, Andre Pollard, Makazolon Pimpi, Damien de Lende, Lukanyu Am, Spoon Kosi, and Willy Leroux. Um, that, as people refer to, maybe being the, the A side. Yeah, look, we've had one. Massive injury, and that's Cheslin Colby. That's not yes. available. Um, you know, if you if you look that brought in Spoon Corsi. Yeah. So if you look at Spoon Corsi, he is the only one in our in our side that has played starting lineup that has played less than 20, 20 tests. Uh, sorry, and um, Lukanya Am will be playing in his twentieth test. Yeah. Um, so so would obviously a guy like Makazolun Pimpi, but that's where they are. If you look in the forward pack, there's only three forwards, I think, um, that haven't reached 50 test matches yet. And um, that in itself shows the consistency that Jacques Ninaber has yeah. had to his exposure over the last 
few years. And it works wonders because it sounds like they, they're old folk already, you know. But, I mean, if you look at a guy like Andre Pollard, I think he's only 28 or whatever. He's already played 53 tests. So it, 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 it's all good for us building for the next World Cup as well. You know, so with these youngsters that, that we're starting to bring through, um, the Hendricks uh, and, and all those players and the Jasper Visas and, and so forth, you know. So part of this, and I don't know how much how much change there would be over the next four weeks because we play four weeks on the trot now against Australia and New Zealand. Um, I think the team that we've seen here, barring Cheslin Colby, would obviously come back. Come um, most of these guys would stay the same, barring injury. And then maybe when we go on the European tour, um, you know, we'll start blooding the youngsters again because these guys will have to. Have to it's going to be a tough four weeks. That's all. It's going to be a tough yep. four weeks. And then the bench, um, also a very strong bench. Um, Malcolm Marks, Oxenchair, Vincent Koch, Marco van Staden, Kwaha Smit, Jasper Wieser, Ursel Yankees, and Damien Willemse. Also. Just as good as anyone on the field. No, hundred percent. And and what is what is uh, notable here yet again is that we've gone for the bomb squad. Yes. Um, so six forwards and two backs again. Yes. Um, what is also notable is that we've bulked up our our forward replacements. So yes. we've we've, for lack of a better word, less skill and speed and more power. Um, but the reason for that is, and you'll also see that we don't have a lock on the bench. But the reason for that is because um, Franco Mostert is playing on the flank for us. So in theory, we're starting with three locks and hoping none of them would get injured. So if there's a replacement, then obviously Franco would go to the lock. Um, we don't know how long Dwayne Vermeulen would last from a playing time. Um, hopefully at least a half or maybe 60 minutes or so. Um, but it's interesting. And and even even the bench, you know, there's, there's only... Um, one or two players there that, that haven't played more than 10, 12 games. Uh, Springbok test matches for us. So slowly but surely we, we're building in the right. You know, I think it's very difficult with all the pressure with the Jock Ninar was under now because, you know, we're world champions. Everyone wants to beat us. Yes. Everyone expects us to win tournament after tournament. You know, we've got big shoes to fill. If you look at New Zealand, how they dominated world rugby for decades. Um, now we are in a position where we... We can do Could it. Could also do it, yeah. We can do um, it. And having said that, though, we need to groom players and build them. And, yes. you know, so it's a, it's a real toss-up and whatever. But, um, you know, so far so good. And, and may us continue. I think we have some wonderful players coming through the ranks. And, um, you know, our win ratio is, is quite good. And that's what, what, what keeps you positive and confident. And we are quite confident in this. So let's hope we can do it. There's some interesting stats Um South Africa, Australia played 88 tests. South Africa winning 48, Australia 37. Three drawn. South Africa scored 1,733 points versus Australia 1,550 points. We scored 202 tries versus 159 tries. The highest point difference is 61 points with a winning ratio of 54% for South Africa. I know stats in these games doesn't really mean too much, but it's quite interesting read. 
Yeah, look, there's a lot of people that like stats and, and, and go back on that, you know, but it's it's difficult. I mean, five years ago, the same players that didn't play that's playing now, you know, it's a different era. If you look at South Africa four or five years ago, we were down in the dumps. Ugly word to use, but that's where we were. You know, now we're world champions, so the mindsets of the players would be different. Um, you know, there's a possibility players don't get along with coaches or they don't agree with the game plan or whatever it is. Now I think everyone is bought into it. It just makes life easier. Yes. Everyone wants to win. They they know what it takes to win. Um, their win ratios are good. They will champions. I only lost one game there. We are up against it though in Australia. I mean, we haven't won in Australia, I think, since 2013 or yeah. whatever it is. And... Um, so it's a it's a well, good time for us to change to make a change and and make it again. We have to. We don't have a choice. That's another stat that came out earlier this week, where they said that um, South Africa and Australia are are basically um, home ground winners playing against one another. South Africa will win all the tests in South Africa, and Australia all the tests down under. So it's a bit of a toss up with where we're going to go. Yeah, I don't I don't know if I completely agree with that. For the simple reason, if you if you bring in New Zealand for argument's sake, um, whether we play New Zealand at home or away, it's difficult to beat them. Now we might be in a different mindset where okay, we're also fair enough. It's on neutral ground, yes. um, but we're in a different mindset. If you look at the previous championship that we played against there against them, we beat them in New Zealand, and we drew against them, so. Our belief would have changed over the last three, four years. You know, it's like anything, social media. They say don't read social media and that when you're a player. <laughs> Players want to hear what people have yeah, to they... say about them. And, and you know, if everyone puts you down and you don't win, later on the coach can tell you as much as he wants to, boys, we, we're there, we can do it. If you don't believe, then you're not going to win. I think the difference is with this team of South Africa is these guys believe every single one of them yes. whether they just they're holding tackle bags or they're physically playing and starting a test match they all believe that this is the side that can do it so yeah. I really think that that um, South Africa on a, in a good regardless of whether we'll win the championship or not I think we're in good space I think we're building nicely for, for the next World Cup as well yeah. um, but it would be lovely to to actually win the championship and to obviously um, defend our, our title that we have. What's also important here is we're playing for the Nelson Mandela Cup and the yes. Freedom Cup as well. We do. So um, there's more more at stake than, than just the championship and just yeah. a normal game. You were, you were pointing out the, the number of tests played and just another stat. Um, there's 251 caps in the back line. And 429 caps amongst the forwards. And there's 116 caps amongst the, the bench players. That gives you 36, an average of 36 caps per player in the back line. 53 caps per player in the, yeah. in the forwards. And 14, players per, uh, 14 caps per player on the bench. Mm -hmm. So again, you can see here that, that Jock has looked at the... At the youngsters on the bench to bring them in. No, no, definitely. I mean, we we are well balanced side. I mean, there's no excuse from being overwhelmed and inexperienced and all of that. You know, we've come we've come a long way since then. And and let's face it as well, the young guys that have come through, um, the Hendrickser and all those guys that have come through, are all quality players in their own right. 
Um, yes, you need to groom them, and you can't just throw them in against the big guns at certain times and so forth. But slowly but surely, um, even if they don't play, they've gone on tour now with us. They would be part of the Springbok setup. They know what it takes to be a Springbok. They know what is expected um, of them. And uh, I just think we, we're well balanced. I mean, if you just look at our forwards and backs combined, it's like 700 caps in total. Uh, we went through test matches where we had 150 to 200 caps in the yes. whole side, you know. So we've come a, a long no, way. I think, long way. I think if you look at the side that, that is starting on, 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 on Sunday, I think there's only three players in that side that weren't part of the World Cup final. Yes. So, um, I mean, that in itself is, is speaks volumes, volumes, you know. So, and yeah, may, may, you know, South Africa is, and, and all the pressure's on us now because all, everyone's talking about bowling rugby and South Africa, this and so. It doesn't matter because ultimately you need to win. You know, in five years' time, they're going to ask who won the championship in 2021. They're not going to ask how they won it or what happened or yes. whatever. It's either New Zealand, Australia, or South Africa. And, you know, while I was watching the game between New Zealand and Australia on the weekend, um, obviously Australia dominated stats in the sense of territory and possession. And yet New Zealand obviously won quite comfortably, but more so turnover ball and attacking just the way New Zealand can. And you must do yourself a favour and go and look at the kicking stats. And then you talk about South Africa that kick as much. These guys kick as much as we do. If not more. Correct. And it's just that we are now renowned for that because we're bullish. We want to run over people and but we want to do certain things. Something that I don't understand about that is that everybody says that we, we, we're playing a brand that is not um, inducive to viewing and, and, and make for, for good rugby. But yet... The books, all the books that were written about the All Blacks says that you've got to play a brand of rugby that suits your style and you've got to become the best at it and, and, and keep at it because it works for you. And that's what they've been doing over the, the decades that they've dominated. And now because we're playing a brand that doesn't really fancies them, although we're winning, they criticise it. Are they criticising it to try and force us to play a different brand so they can beat us, or are they criticising because they really don't like it? I think there's there's different, you know, in each test match, going into a test match, the coaches always have something to say. Yeah. Um, this is not only coaches now. Obviously, they had a lot to say, both New Zealand and Australia had a lot to say when we played against the British and Irish Lions. Um, you look at a guy like Barrett. He kicks and chases. Yes. Um, you know, there's so many players in the world that are good in the air. South Africa have basically perfected the kick chase and winning it back and, and whatever. And we play in certain areas where we don't physically want to play with the ball in our half. We kick it away and we put you under pressure there and then you need to play out from there. Playing against New Zealand, they want you to bring the ball to them because they want to take it up. You know, so there and our defensive pattern and our defensive alignment will have to be different with New Zealand compared to the British and Irish Lions. Um, and that's where Jacques Nienaber is quite good at what he does. We haven't perfected anything yet, but we are probably the best team in the world at kick and receive and kick and gaining back and kick and putting you under pressure because our kicks are spot on. And that's where um, Stick is quite good at that because he's worked a hell of a lot with, uh, with the players to kick and chase and so forth. And, you know, ultimately, I mean, if, if I was a coach at that level, um, I can only imagine that the unions won't tell me, listen, 
you have to win, but you have to score so many tries and you have to run the whole time and you have to do this. All you're going to tell me is you have to play winning rugby. I want you to be world number one. Hopefully at the World Cup, you must win the World Cup, otherwise you get fired. And that's what it's about. You do everything in your power. And traditionally, when you speak to, I mean, Whitelock spoke, I think it was today or yesterday, he said he'll be back from, from paternity leave and hopefully available in the second test against South Africa because that is the ultimate. We are big brutus that run at you the whole time, they crash at you, they come from depth, they, wherever that is. South Africa is the ultimate physical challenge team in the world that you want to play against. You know, So, like them, everyone talks about their flair and their skills and, I mean, their props play like backline players. Great, that's their, their way. I mean, we've also got that. We just don't do it as often as they do because we do do it at times, but not as often. So we work on different tactics. I mean, you can go back to the World Cup where we nearly lost to Wales in the semi-final, I think it was. Also a kicking game in that. And then when we played against England, it was a different South African yeah. side because we ran yeah. with the ball. So we can do it. I think it's just the way they mould it. And, and come on, if it, if it works for you, why change it? You know? And yeah, we still score tries. It's yes. not that we don't score tries. But then you need to look at the try scored against us, Colin, and see how good we are. So you take New, Ze New Zealand, and this is where the challenge is going to come, even with Australia. We've got a very good defensive record in the last 15 games or whatever. I think it's 0 0.05 or something like that try scored against us. Challenge will be now over the next four, four weeks because these teams like to run. Talking about scoring tries, if I can go back to a stat, Makazola and Pimpi. Scored 16 tries in 18 tests, which equates to an 88.9% um, success rate. Now, the best player or the player with the best try score ratio prior to this, okay, is Donny Gerber. He scored 19 tries in 24 tests, which equates to 79.2%. If they now say that we can't score tries, Makazola and Pimpi now just disproved that. And and the nice fact about that is Donny Gerber was a very good centre. Brilliant. Makazola and Pimpi plays on the wing. Yes. So if the wings don't get the ball, they can't score tries. Can't you know. Tries. So look, there's there's always debate. I mean, Cheslin Colby as well. He's one of our top try scorers. You know. The, and and it is just like that. The ball doesn't always go a specific way in a game. The bounce of the ball isn't always in your favour. You can look at New Zealand now. You know, um, in the last three games that they played against the Wallabies, every single game, New Zealand scored an intercept try. Every single game. Um, now you can go two ways. You can say Australia are very loose. They're just throwing the ball away. You can say they're attacking. That's why it's happening. You can go, depends which side of the fence you're sitting on, you can go New Zealand, put them under pressure. That's why they getting the intercept tries. You know, so there's so much that you can criticise. Yeah, I yeah. think if, you, if you're if a true rugby lover, and I'm, when I say that, I'm not talking about a spectator sitting at the side and want to see flying rugby like sevens. No. You want to see, talk to a tight five. They want to see proper scrums and proper rucks. That's what they thrive on. You know, if you listen to commentary guys that have played prop, they give you all the technical details and they say, that's what a rugby player wakes up in the morning. He wants to scrum the other guy into submission. That's what he wants to do. That's his job. You know, so you look at spectators. We, who are normally your your unfound heroes? You don't see them. Those are the guys digging for the ball. Yes. We look man of the match. You think, yo, this guy shouldn't be man of the match because Makuzolom Pimpi scored three tries. 
But you don't look at all the other work that has happened before that, you know. So unfortunately, that is how it is. But it's a debate that has been happening for decades. It's a debate that will continue for decades. Probably centuries Ultimately, now. Yeah, and ultimately from my side, I can tell you now, if we play a very poor game and we beat New Zealand and Australia in the next four weeks by three points, that's all I want to hear. And that's what it is. So in a year's time, we know, you know, you beat them in the last four rounds. It doesn't matter. And that's what the history book's going to say. Correct. So, look, I, 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 we all know that we can score tries. We know we've got game breakers as well. You know, they're talking about Lucanio Am and, and Damien de Allende as probably the best centre pairing in world rugby at the moment. Yes. Then you took a look at a guy like Chester, uh, sorry, Chester Williams, bless him. Um, we're talking about Cheslin Colby that they are now rating as the best wing in world rugby. I mean, so we've got three quality players in a back line already. You know, so, um, yeah, I think it's, it's, it's people that want to talk and, and it's their right to say what they want to and that, you know. Ultimately, the, the best team on the day is the team that wins, whether you win by luck because you create yeah. your own luck or by default or however you see it. That team is that team and when that final whistle goes, there's nothing you can do about it. So... Let's see what happens in the next four weeks. Let's see. Going to be interesting. Us being the the world champions, the current world champions, um, two years to go, almost to the day, the 8th of September 2023, the kickoff for the 2023 World Cup. Your thoughts on that? We've got two years to to prepare and mould this team. Yeah, look, lots lots can happen in two years. Or South Africa, we were down and out before the previous World Cup, and I think we had 12 or 15 months to, to fix whatever, and I, and I think it was a slight miracle that we got right what they did do. Um, you know, but, I mean, I look at Australia. I think Australia has dropped down to seventh now again. Um, nothing stops them from being favourites to win the World Cup in two years' time. So we are proof of that, so it can happen. Um, I think it's going to be a, a, a tough one. You know, we spoke in the Six Nations about France um, building as well. We had Floxelier in studio chatting with us as well about their preparation and now it's going with their young side. You know, in two years' time from now, their young side isn't that young anymore. They would have had some experience. They're playing at home. They play with passion. Um, New Zealand will always be there and thereabout. Uh, obviously, and hopefully South Africa will be there and there about the way we are, are preparing at the moment. Um, the dark horse here might might well just be England. Um, you know, Eddie Jones and them, they've gone through a whole coaching structure change and, and whatever. They've always had quality players. Um, and it's going to be a tough one, but uh, one that everyone is looking forward to. And let, let's hope we can be the second country to defend the World Cup. To defend it. Let's hope so. Then just back on to home soil, yeah. Um, club rugby now being officially cancelled in KZN. We're not allowed to, to play. Well, we're allowed to play and we're allowed to play um, friendly matches. Um, unofficial. Unofficial, self-organised. Um, your thoughts on that? Yeah, th- part of it doesn't make sense, does it? If, no, it you, if you say it, it doesn't like that. Make- um, I think most clubs have opted out yes. as to not to play, so I think it's probably the right the right way to go. More so in KZN if you look at the infection rate. So I think the unions did get it right there. 
Uh, yet again, like with anything else, there will be arguments against it. Um, you know, if you look at Gauteng and all those places they're playing, it doesn't make sense though to say you can arrange friendlies and, and so forth because then you could just as well have played games. Um, but I also think now, you know, a lot of clubs, and I go back to MM, some Toti Rugby Club, I mean, we want to go into the off-season now where you have a break. Not that we need a break because we've been breaking for so long. <laughs> yeah, long way. Um, but you go into a break now, and now it's the start of off-season, so you need to start hitting the gym and getting conditioned and that, you know, and then we will probably break around about the 14th or 15th of December for two weeks maybe three weeks and then we start again with pre-season so um, I think a lot of a lot of planning will definitely go into it now um, a lot of our planning has, has started even in season yes. it was there um, but now it's you know thinking about players and where you want to go and what positions you need and how to condition them and that so there's there's a lot of work and to be honest with you um, you know, my heart, my heart wants the guys to be on the field and that's where I want to be because that's my passion. But I think it's the right thing to do. And reflecting back on the season, I think the planning could have been better because we're all in this new bubble that we are playing in and new conditions and so forth. So I think we'll be better prepared next year. Um, when I say we, I'm not only talking members and Toti Rugby Club, I'm talking all club rugby. They're better prepared because you'll know how to plan for it. But from Toti's point of view, um, I think our conditioning and that would be would be a lot better than than it was last year because beginning of this year we weren't sure whether we're going to start or not yes. and when are we going to start and so forth. So um, now I think we'll we'll be up for it and can't wait. Well, I, I think 2022 is going to start much the same. Um, if you think about the fourth wave coming, or they predict coming now through end of November, beginning December maybe carrying on until January, and then they're talking about a fifth wave now already early next year. Um, so it, it seems like 2022 is going to start much the same way as 2021. Um, let's hope not. Let's hope we can cut this thing short and uh, and, and continue with, with rugby. Yeah, look, I, I think I agree with you. Um, just the difference is in preparation. So, yes. you know, we would have learned in the last year how things we have definitely, gone. We definitely, definitely have learned. Um, if, yes. you look at, if you look at us, Adam Amazon Toti, um, I think we waited a little bit too long for certain things to happen because we weren't sure as to what is going to happen, if it makes sense. Um, we would have learned from that now. So we will have things in place at a time should things happen yes. positively for us to continue. Whereas yes. this year we waited for the positivity to come out, then we reacted basically, if yeah. I can put it that way. So um, I think preparation would be better and, and there will be more buy-in. Unfortunately, what you'll see in all the clubs now is all the guys that probably had a year or two left in them will now go in retirement, Yes. Um, although they wouldn't have played. So one feels one feels sad for them at the end of the day. Um, but it is what it is. We're all, we're all in the same boat. Um, and hopefully Toti Rugby Club will, will benefit from this as well as to where we want to go and get buy-in. And then, you know, we owe it to our community. We owe it to our, our partners, uh, in, in sponsor partners. So um, all to play for and all to work, to work for in the future. It is all to work for. Thank you, Mark. Thanks once again for your thoughts and sharing your, your views with us. Thank you, Kasper. Uh, always nice sharing sharing my thoughts and mixing it with your thoughts. 
and having some some nice times in studio and talking passionately about what we what we love. Um, just to reiterate to all the listeners out there, it's only our thoughts and and yes. you know, our points of view. So nothing specific. And when we talk about certain countries or certain unions or whatever, it's not taking them on or speaking on no. their behalf, but just how we feel. But uh, it's always nice to be in studio and always nice to share knowledge and getting our listeners to make contact with us and tell us what they enjoy and what they don't, and may that continue. Thank you very much. Thanks for tuning in to Touchline. From myself, Kasper Els, and Mark Cameron, have a great rugby week.